Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. This is Josh Clark. Charles W. Chuck Bryan is taking a refreshing sip off of a little craw brand carbonated soda. (laughs) And um, since he's doing that... Wearing a plaid short sleeve t-shirt, shirt, shirt, uh, and I'm wearing jeans. That means that this is stuff you should know. That's right. Yeah, that's the formula, the secret formula. Jeans on you, plaid shirt on me. Nothing from the waist down on you. That's it. Yeah, socks, of course. I know. And flip flops. It makes the whole thing so <laughs> much more unsettling. I think still there's nothing. There's not much funnier than. Uh, Socks and shoes on with no pants. Yeah. That's it's a, just, that's a Homer Simpson yep, look. It's always funny. He has nailed it. <laughs> Especially with his pointy little brown shoes. Yeah. <laughs> the big rotund pubic mound that he has. He's awesome. Oh um, Chuck, <laughs> it's been a long time, hasn't it? I know. It's we're, been we, weeks. We've been out of the office for two weeks, just so people know. We're getting back into things, and it's uh, refreshing to do our... To do something that we're good at. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Some nice. say. It gives me a sense of control. Yes. Um, I feel like we're good at this, Chuck. We know what we're doing. Except for maybe the unions one. Man. No? I mean, it was good. All the information was there, but like, I, I, I it sounded like I'd had a transorbital lobotomy like just moments before we started. I thought it was a good one. Did you? Yeah. Oh, we'll see. Um, this one is going to be a good one, my friend. Remember the tipping episode? Yes. It's going to make that look like poop. Okay. Um, we're talking today, Chuck, as I know you know, about the possibility of a fat tax. That's right. And it's, well, we'll, we'll get to exactly what it is in a second, but um, let's talk about why you would even consider taxing fat. It seems like, Chuck, there is an obesity epidemic in the United States, and not just the United States, but in the Western world. Yeah, we're not the only fatties, although we are typically the fattiest of the fatties. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Well, we're the best in everything. Yeah, by per- <laughs> by percentage, I think there are more uh, obese people in the States than um, elsewhere. Yes, but it is- it's still a problem. It's very prevalent everywhere. Uh, when you and I went to Japan, she was, she was like, everyone in Japan is so thin. Everyone is very thin. They're very small. Do you see some fatties? We went and I was like, you sure? When's the last <laughs> time you were here? Um, so yeah, it's, it's everywhere. But they would probably say like, we're just fat now because we're eating American foods. I, that is what they say. Because you know what? They're probably right. Dude, their McDonald's makes our McDonald's look again, like poop. Yeah. Like they have the, th- this thing called the Mega muffin, and it's a um, an egg McMuffin mm-hmm. with sausage and like extra egg, and it's huge, and it's probably the most delicious thing I've ever eaten in my life. I, I eat a sausage McMuffin with egg every now and then. Well, you can get an egg McMuffin with sausage here in the states yeah. if you know what to ask for. Sure, but it costs you like six bucks, but it's <laughs> worth it. <laughs> That's not true, but yeah. Anyway, yes, um, the double real, egg interests me though. Yeah, double. no, it is true. Like it's six bucks easy. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so in the United States, let's throw out some statistics because this is where we live. And again, the United States is the greatest country in the world when it comes to obese people producing <laughs> the obese. Um, and obesity costs the U.S. an estimated $150 billion 
a year yeah. uh, in health care costs. That's a significant amount of meatballs. Yeah, 22% of all medical costs mm-hmm. and 26% of Medicare costs are, uh, oh, during the last year of life are due to obesity. That's, that's a lot of, 22%, that's significant. Yeah, I thought that was a weird statistic, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was a little odd. Um, that guy, that pollster who you're quoting, he was um, definitely biased, it seemed like. Which- it was his own poll. I know, but I'm saying, like, even still, he was like, here's this poll that we just conducted, and here's how I feel about it, Patty. Yeah. Um, So we've got a lot of money being put into treating uh, diseases that arise from um, obesity. A.K.A. preventable disease. Well, yeah, obesity is considered a chronic disease, which is something that can be treated and prevented through uh, behavior modification, like... Shock therapy, which costs far less than treating heart disease. That's point one. Um, let's see. The costs are expected to rise. Yeah. And um, however you feel about Obamacare, take that off of the table. It, 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 put it on the table. Take it off the table. Either way, um, if we don't change the amount of money we're putting into care for um, obesity-related diseases, mm-hmm. the, those costs are going to go up just because the sheer number of obese people are expected to rise. Sure. There's something like 72% of Americans are either overweight or obese. Yeah, boy, that's a lot. It is a lot. And it's um, I think more than a third of Americans are obese. And obese is a body mass index of like 25 to 30. Yeah. 25 to 30 kilograms per square meter. Yeah. Right? And then they're kind of refining that. So it's not just weight anymore. Right. It's the amount of fat you have on your body. Right. And apparently there's a move toward refining that even further, which is how much fat do you have on your upper body, which is the really unhealthy stuff, adipose, right? I know. I can't gain a pound below my waist. <laughs> I think I, I'm, you. I'm I like my dad. Being... I carry it all between my, my chin and my waistline. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I got skinny little legs. I don't get like the, the big butt that some guys get, you know? I've noticed since I've been running, my butt has gone up and out a little bit, and I guess that's what it's supposed to be, but I don't like it, man. I'm yeah. self-conscious about my bottom now. <laughs> um, okay, so the uh, the percentage of obese people in the U.S., Chuck, um, is supposed to go from about a third, right, 32, yeah. 33% it's at now, to 42% wow. by 2030. That's just not overweight. That's obese. That's people. creeping up to ha- half the country. Yeah, that's a lot. It's nice to have something to shoot for. So there's a lot of um, <laughs> as a nation, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, of reasons that people would start talking about instituting a fat tax. And when we're talking about a fat tax, we're talking about this concept that was first um, introduced by a Yale psychologist named Kelly D. Brownell. Yeah, the Twinkie tax. I hate that they throw Twinkie on any everything. Always do. Anytime yeah. something has to do with junk food, they throw mm. Twinkie onto it. Like the Twinkie defense. Yeah. The exactly. word Twinkie was never uttered during um the trial. Yeah, during the trial, it was all junk food. That was the Harvey Milk thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was um uh, Dan uh, Dan White. Yeah. The Dan White trial, it was no he never mentioned Twinkie, but that was the press. They just put Twinkie on anything they can. Jerks. Yes. Uh, yeah, he he first coined it, and this was back in 1994 in the New York Times. So it's not the newest uh, idea to be floated. Um, and there there's some different ways that people have suggested that we go about this. Yeah. He, he has a couple of proposals. One is uh, taxing seven to ten percent on unhealthy foods, 
and then use that revenue to subsidize healthy foods. To make it cheaper. To make that cheaper and less expensive. And the, I, the idea behind that is what? That people just buy unhealthy food because it's cheaper, because it traditionally is. Is that... I wonder if we would find out if that's the case. I don't think that's the case. I don't know. I, I mean, think I think people buy those foods because they want to buy that junk and eat it. I, I guess it depends on what you're talking about, though. Like if it's a TV dinner, yeah, you're looking for dinner, and that's super cheap, right? True. So if you if there are healthier alternatives that are cheaper than that, then maybe they would go with the healthier alternative. But I, I bet you when could you get want a, a, uh, when you want an Oreo, yeah, you want an Oreo. But I bet you could get one of the. Um, the little healthy choice meals for about the same as a TV dinner. Aren't those about the same price? I wonder. I wonder, though, also if proportion has to do with it, too. I think proportion control is a huge... Portion? Portion control. Yeah. <laughs> proportion. It is a proportion. Well, when you're comparing a healthy choice to yeah, a hungry it's man, it's proportion. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and the other thing is, too, though, the, I mean, the healthy choice meals and those those diet meals, Weight Watchers meals, they are lower in... Um, I guess like fats and calories and stuff like that. Sodium. But it'd still be hard to argue that they're healthy. Uh, Any kind of like packaged processed food like that is inherently yeah, I guess not so. like super healthy. I guess you're right. But it's probably better than the hungry man. Well, it's like the whole thing with um, high fructose corn syrup. Like right. sugar, refined sugar is a healthy comparison to it. You know, like um, that whole throwback thing that Pepsi did. Right. Like, that was supposed to be better for you, but it, they used just refined sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. So I wonder if I, wh- what you're saying then is that's along the same lines, I guess. Well, yeah, and that presents one of the problems that we'll get to is how do you, if you're going to do something like this, where do you draw the line and how do you attack this? Right. Is it just sweets and fatty foods or, you know, a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream is made with really healthy natural ingredients, right. but it's full of fat and calories, Right. whereas a healthy choice, quote unquote, is processed and loaded with preservatives, but it's lower in calories, so it's hinky. You present a sticky conundrum. How they're going to figure this out, if it if it ever goes through. Um, so that was the uh, the first proposal yeah. by uh, Brownell. Um, it basically, 7 to 10% tax, use that the revenue to fund or subsidize healthier stuff, right? Yeah, and they can actually, I don't know how they did this, but Oxford University actually put a number value on how many lives a year that could save. Yeah. Um, and they claim that a 17.5% uh, value-added tax um, could save up to 3,200 lives a year. And I guess that's probably just in England, I'm imagining, right? I, I believe so. That, it seems that like England's British. all over this as well. Yeah, they are. It's the U.S. and England. Well, Europe is is kind of moving toward this. But, yeah, the studies that we came across seem to be mostly British in origin. All right. They love their studies over there. They do. So that's one one proposal. Um. What's the second one? Well, the second one was less aggressive. It was basically just um, tax a, a lesser amount onto unhealthy food and then funnel that into public education. And Brownell said that that would probably be easier to get pushed through yeah. uh, legislatively, but it would have less of an effect. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do this, and I'm a, I don't even know if it's a good idea or not, I'd rather see cheaper healthy food than some stupid campaign. Right. You know? Yeah. The whole awareness campaign, I have doubts about the effectiveness of those things. Well, they have an obesity awareness campaign going on, and it's like, they're using these poor fat kids as models, and it's like, what school do you go to? You have to be private tutored now, because you're literally the poster child for obesity. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, So, you were saying that the Brits uh, came up with the 
the the idea of doing a seventeen point five value added seventeen point five percent value added tax, right? Yes. Value added tax is basically like every time um, a raw material comes into the manufacturing plant, there's a tax on that. Right. Um, when the manufacturer finishes the final product and sends it to a exporter, there's a tax on that. Exporter gives it to a distributor, there's a tax on that. And ultimately, all these taxes build up and are passed on to the consumer. Yeah. Right? Um, and Not, the, the savings aren't passed on. The, no, the okay. taxes, <laughs> right. the extra payment. Um, so the, these these Brits who studied that found that if you if you did that seventeen point five percent tax and you just did it on foods with saturated fat, right, the, it could actually be counterproductive. They they oh, modeled yeah. it and they found that it would drive people to other foods. Oh, salty and. Uh yeah. Yeah, like uh and and would have even more severe health consequences, right? Interesting. Um and then what's more, here's a big problem too. Um it would increase food costs by about 3.2%. So here yeah. here's here's where we reach a really So if you're a liberal, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, "No, we need to we need to look out for people. These people don't understand the 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 consequences of their eating habits and their right. diet habits are passing it along to their children. We're all going to die at age 50. Um, so we need this kind of tax. And somebody goes, oh, it's it's regressive, so it's unfairly taxing the poor. And every liberal just goes, forget it. Right. Just forget it <laughs> I all. I can never get behind it. And that's part of the problem because, you know, the poor tend to spend a larger percentage of their income on food. Yeah. So if you start taxing food, it's going to unfairly hit the poor harder than anybody else. Right. So they found 3.2% for that um, for that one that's just uh, saturated fat. And they did two other models, too. Yeah, the one um, where they actually assign a score rating to your food. Um, don't ask me what this stands for, but the SSC G3D score. I looked. I couldn't find what it stands for. Super secret. Let's just call it that. The super secret score. Um, so they, basically, they're going to rate foods based on um, eight nutrients and... A higher score is uh, bad. If you're if you're a plus eight, then you're going to get taxed more. Yeah, and that would save twenty three hundred lives. Mm-hmm. I guess is that a year? Yeah, and then um, increase four percent, so even higher increase in food costs. Right, but it saves lives rather than having more severe negative consequences, um, and it's it hits that sweet spot that you were looking for the science. Right. So, like, you could run anything conceivably through this algorithm, sure. and it doesn't—it's blind to whether it's lean cuisine or ho hos. Right. It's going to spit out a score, and depending yeah. on the score, you get taxed or not. Right. That makes a little more sense. It does. Still, though, four percent increase in um, food uh, costs—that's significant. It is. Uh, and then the third one was where basically it was—they spread the tax among a bunch of different foods, almost half of all foods. All unhealthy, though. I don't know. I, I I don't understand. Yeah, I didn't get this one. Okay, so um, but what we did, f- what they found was that it saves lives, but it increases taxes by about four point six percent. So, if you're an Anglophile and you are into studies mm-hmm. and you like choosing multiply, um, you yeah. would probably go with number two. I think it makes the most sense to me and you, right? And it should to everyone else. Well, I was just describing ourselves. <laughs> okay. Um, Actually, in Britain, they already do this on some things like ice cream and potato chips they mm-hmm. mentioned in here, um, already have a value-added tax. And in some states, I know Georgia's not one of them, they tax um, 
small taxes on soft drinks and things like that. See, I don't know if that's true because um, I found this one uh, this one article about Redmond, California, where they're talking about adding a one cent per ounce soda tax, uh-huh. and it says that they would be the first city in the country to actually push it through. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, May, it does say California and Maine and Maryland had fat taxes um, approved and then repealed. So, Yeah, first city in the nation to levy a tax specifically targeting soda and sugar-laden beverages. Interesting. All right. So, But if this goes through, it's coming up um, pretty soon, I guess in November. But if it goes through, there's that one problem again where it's a regressive tax. Right. Because it's a fixed amount. It's one cent per ounce. And- because of that, the cheaper the value of an ounce of soda, yeah, the more percentage you're going to pay in taxes, right? So mm-hmm. let's say you pay a dollar for your generic store brand two liter, right? That's sixty six or sixty seven ounces. You're going to pay at a cent per ounce. You're going to pay an extra sixty seven cents. Yeah, which is sixty percent more cost. Yeah, it's almost plus. double yeah. what you were paying before. And the people who are buying that dollar store brand two liter are probably people who can afford the dollar two liter. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, if you do a twelve pack or something like that, right, um, and it's one hundred and forty four ounces, yeah. but a twelve pack's already like six bucks, right. That's only an extra dollar forty-four. That's only like twenty percent or something like that. Yeah, added tax rather than sixty. So that's why that. they say regressive taxes are usually unfairly burdening to the poor. Yeah, that makes sense. I see. Uh, well, I see it all the time. Let's just say that you do. Mm-hmm. I you- used to work in in the convenience store, and so I I had a. A good eye on who was buying what and what kind of snacks people ate and stuff sure. like that. Yeah, I was amazed to find when I worked in um, a gas station that people chew white clay. Excuse me? They chew white clay. I don't know what that means. Have you not seen white clay? No. Look around next time you're in a gas station, especially out in the sticks. Okay. And there'll be a little cellophane bag with like the little paper hanger, you know, like you buy like gummy worms or whatever in. Yeah. Like that, but... um, It's a food? It is not a food item. It's clay, and people chew it. Apparently, it's... um, I've never heard of this. It's like a folk tradition among um, pregnant women to chew clay, but people have like this kind of um, craving for it as well. And they sell this in convenience stores. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, that one always blew me away. That's a good one. I'm going to be on the lookout now. Okay. Um, So we've talked about all the reasons why... You should do this, right? Yes. It seems like this would have all been pushed through if there weren't some sort of opposition to the concept of fat taxes. Like Tony Blair. Oh, yeah. For instance, in 2004, he uh, called it a sign of a nanny state. And basically, that kind of <laughs> that sums was, it. That was not <laughs> That's Tony so Blair. Bad. Um, critics will argue that, you know, th- this is like the government, once again, legislating something in your a personal decision you want to make, which is, you know what? If I want to eat Twinkies and get fat and die of a heart attack at 40, it's my right. Yeah. Because I love those Twinkies. It makes a really good case. Yeah. Like, who who is the government to tell you you shouldn't? Right. Um, there is a really good argument on the other side that often comes from the same side, though, which is if we as a society have to pay for your health care. Right. Then yeah, you we do have a stake in telling you yeah. no, you can't eat that Twinkie. And yeah, we agree, 
we can't tell you not to eat that Twinkie, but we can make you think twice about it by right. raising the price of it. Well, and therein brings up the third model, which is not to tax food, but to um, make people pay more for something like insurance if they're obese. The To tax the person and right. not the item. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably the more diabolical model <laughs> of the uh, of the others. Uh, yeah, but it's also like I get that, but it's also at, at least it singles out the the problem. Like, although some people might say the problem is the existence of the Twinkie, but they don't. Oh, but but the critics will say no. But you know, what if you're super healthy and you like to indulge exactly. in a Twinkie every now and then? There is nothing wrong with the existence of Twinkies, Chuck. That was yeah. hypothetical, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Okay, but like you can't like if you levy this tax on junk food, and I'm a marathon runner that. Once a week, I love my my Reese's cup. Right. Uh, why should I have to pay more money on that? Because a larger person eats them five times a day. See, I disagree with that though. Because think about it, man. Like, like who's really paying for that that extra tax? Todd, the larger person who eats them eight times a day, or you who eats them once a week? It's like buck up and pay the extra forty cents and shut up. We're trying to deal with something over here. Go <laughs> run your marathon. <laughs> yeah. That that's what I have to say to that person. Uh huh. Um, as far as it goes with the, the uh, obese person who we, when you are faced with that idea of having to pay more for that Reese's, there's no sweet spot as bad as economists want to be able to say, this is the point where everyone will stop paying yeah. for Reese's and stop eating them. It's the same with gas. Yeah. No one has any idea. You can take the average of all this, but it's really different for everybody. So that's one of the big challenges is how much do you raise? Right. Um, so if you take away the the idea that that's going to change behavior, it might not. It might just mean that people are going to have to shell out more money, which sucks. Um, well, what happened with smoking? Did people well, that smoke is a, less when they started taxing the crud out of them? Yes. That's they a really good example of how you can successfully tax unhealthy stuff um, and change people's behavior. So that worked? It did work. But they it, think about what a, a pack of cigarettes cost today compared to 10 years ago. Yeah. It's like, I think in, in say, New York, it's probably about 12 times more yeah. than before. Um, I know, like, almost overnight after the tobacco settlement in 1998 was settled. Yeah. Tobacco prices doubled just from the added tax, but uh, tobacco use uh, has gone down like t- went down like twenty five percent from like ninety five to two thousand seven. And is that due to the price, or yes. do they know that it is? They believe it's due to the price. So probably like, also you know due to I'm public done. education, yeah. but really they were educating the public before then anyway. Sure. So yes, they think that it has to do with the the fact that the tobacco settlement led to. It. Just ridiculously higher taxes, and right. still continues Good. to. Yeah. So you can say that there's a model that okay, if you just keep adding more and more and more money, right, in the form of a tax to this item, yeah, eventually everybody's going to fall off, right? Yeah. You will reach that point where no one will pay that any longer. What we were talking about, where where you're actually taxing the consumer, that's different. That's saying I'm whether you eat terribly or not until you get down to a certain what body mass index or whatever sure um you have to pay more for health insurance i almost feel like it should be 
the other way around, like car insurance, like you get brakes if you're a good driver. Yeah. Like maybe if set up incentive plans, if you lose weight, then you get lower costs. Right. Be nice to lower costs for a change. It would be, but it's ultimately the same thing. It's just a different way of looking at it. The people well, who but, aren't losing weight are paying, they're paying more than other people. But I see yeah. what you're saying. It's starting out at a level and then, um, people who are better at something get, or who do well. Yeah. Pay less. Yeah. It's, it seems fair. There's some problems. So like, how do you, how do you keep track of that? Keep track of, of, the individual? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, how often can, do you have to, like, if you lose a significant amount of weight, do you go in and, check and in say, hey, so I need a letter from you saying, like, I can get a reduction in my insurance now because I've hit this goal or whatever? Sure. Run, you know, run, run it through your doctor and, you know, have a, have a standardized form where they take certain measurements. And if you want it, if you want to apply and get the cheaper rates, then it's up to you to get those. Sheets filled out and turn them in every six months. I think you may have just solved a big problem. That's pretty that makes sense to me. Well, um, in Japan, they're doing something like that. It's called the Metabo program, uh-huh. uh, where every year everybody goes in for an annual checkup anyway, and they do it through their employer. But right. they added some sort of like body mass index measurement now too. You know, there's like for the person, there's no financial stake in losing weight or yeah. hitting a target weight. Um, but there's a lot of societal and peer pressure from their employer who's getting pressured from their city or county or town, yeah. which is getting hit financially for the, for X number of people that are not losing weight. Right. Um, so they're using like this societal pressure to pressure people because the, J- the Japanese know shame and- Well, see, that was, that would work for me because I'm overweight and if, I guarantee you if every time they rang up something, if a, a little speaker at the register went fat tax, fat tax. Mm-hmm. I would like stop buying those things, right? Or I would, you know, find out a way to to get them on the black market. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people would for sure. Yeah, that would shame me. That, that's what they should do. I'm amending my previous statement. Yeah, they should have a computer voice that yells out fat tax every time you buy something fatty. Why not just combine both of those? Sure, let's combine both because then I think you have a powerhouse model. The Chuck play it, and this is coming from the guy who's like 35 pounds overweight. Yeah. Sometimes we have the best ideas. I can tell you though, seeing um like on a uh, um a, like a restaurant's menu board, seeing the calories next to it, that definitely has an effect on my behavior for sure. Uh, apparently I studies mean, I show that know it all doesn't. That stuff but anyway, it does so it's not like. But seeing it like yeah. wow, that's really nine hundred calories. I don't feel like that right now. Yeah, I guess so. It does it for me. I guess I'm never fooling myself into thinking that that fried chicken doesn't have that many calories. But maybe seeing it, yeah, I get I see what you mean. Yeah, I guess if I think about it, I'm like, well, yeah, fried chicken has that many calories, but it's and it more like. It makes you think about it if you see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So what do, what do Americans think if you believe this poll? Uh, one in three believe that obese people should pay more taxes than healthy weight people. Yeah. And this is conducted by the Phalanx Investment Partners, LLC. Uh, and, uh, boy, he's got a lot of, he asked a lot of questions in here. He did. He's got a lot of stats. Um, he does find it interesting, and I do too, that, uh, the obese could garner support by 40% of Americans, where 75% are overweight. So, what that means is 35% of overweight people are even saying yes. Yeah, no, like they yeah. should be taxed. Yeah. Or they should pay more for health care. It so makes sense. He, he used a terrible, terrible analogy. Um, 
should we allow short-sighted or nearsighted people to become lion tamers? <laughs> and he was, he was basically comparing that. But that kind of um, brings up a larger question, like, is this habit, is it just poor habits and poor eating behavior, eating patterns? Yeah. And if so, then, yeah, this guy can make a pretty good case that, yeah, we need to break people's bad eating habits, especially if they're passing them along to their kids, sure. too. Well, interestingly, younger people um, responded generally uh, more in favor of taxing food more than older adults, mm-hmm. and people of higher income responded more positively to a fat tax, quote-unquote, Yeah. than, yeah, obviously, people with a lower income, so yeah, hold some weight. Terrible. That was terrible. I didn't mean that like that. So this is all kind of theoretical right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, in what uh, Richmond, California might have a one-cent soda tax, but they'd be the only city with that. Right. Other places have tried it. New York tried the same thing, um, but apparently the soda companies shouted it down as a um, naked money grab cleverly disguised as a health policy. That's sad. Yeah. It sucks when lobbyists get their meat hooks and stuff. Um, Say things like money grab. But if you go to Hungary or Denmark, Hungary, is it's awesome that they have a fat tax because of the country's name. But um, if you go to Hungary or Denmark, um, there are fat taxes instituted there. Yeah. Uh, Hungary has one that's like a flat 30.37 euro tax um, on anything that's unhealthy. Yeah. And I, I'm not quite sure what the parameters are, uh, but basically junk food, what we would consider here. And then Denmark just instituted something to where um, they tax saturated fats in um, foods to the tune of like 16 kroner a kilogram, which comes out to be like $1.29 a pound. Wow. And then divide it up. And they take into account not just what ends up in the end result of the fat, mm-hmm. but how much fat is also put in and maybe lost along the way. Interesting. So they're really going after it. Yeah. But I like I like the companies that incentivize, like our own uh, Discovery Channel will pay for half of your- uh, Stomach stapling? Gym membership. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is great. Like, make it a little cheaper to join the gym. Can't make you go to the gym, but you feel like a sucker when you're paying to go to the gym and don't go to the gym. I forgot that they'll do that. I need to take them up on that. Oh yeah, dude. It's once uh, you just missed the deadline, but it's uh man once per quarter. Fifty percent of your gym membership. For yeah. you and you me. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's great. I totally forgot about that. And it's not the most money in the world, but it's a few shekels. It makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah, I will definitely take them up and thank you for reminding me, Chuck. Yeah, I will next time my reminder pops up, I'll remind you. How about that? I'll go start it today. Okay. Um, let's see. But yes, please do remind me, just because it'll make me feel good that you remembered. Um, I guess that's about it. Bad taxes? They're all over the place in Europe. They're spreading their their way west. Yeah. Maybe. Let's see. If you want to learn more about the proposals for the fat tax, you can type in fat tax in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. That will bring up an article written by Jeopardy winner uh, Jacob Silverman. Yeah. Yeah. Go, Jacob. I watched all three of those shows. He won twice? He won three times. Did he really? So there should be four, right? Well, he's coming back. They had to suspend for like they do like the tournament or something. Uh-huh. Uh, so he'll be back at some point to continue his run. That is awesome. Yeah, and I never even knew the guy, but um, he was really nice to me when I first got hired. Like, uh, we he emailed me a bunch and kind of like yeah. helped me out early on. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then I saw him on TV. I was like, so that's what Jacob Sullivan looks like. Oh, you never saw him, huh? No, I never even saw him. Oh, yeah. He was a neat guy. Um, yeah, well, congratulations, Jacob. Also, if you want to learn about BDD, um, you can type that into the search bar, and that will bring up an article by M-E-E. Um, and I said search bar in there somewhere, uh, which means it's time for listener mail. So, Chuck, sorry. I, I know that normally we should be doing listener mail here, but let's let's tell everybody something. Okay. So um, iTunes was cool enough to say, hey, guys, what edutainment podcast is your favorite? Edutainment, you say? They put in quotes. <laughs> um, and uh, they there's us. There's te- I mean, competition stiff, dude. Us, TED Talks, Discovery News, um, Freakonomics. Uh, Radio Lab. Radio Lab. Yeah. Radio Lab, dude. We're up against Radio Lab right now. Yeah. Um, is that all of them? I don't want to leave anybody out. Because uh, they're all very great podcasts. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, we're up against some heavy hitters. So we are. So um, they, they, they created a poll on the iTunes Facebook page. So you can go to iTunes on Facebook, and uh, if you look on their wall and go down, um, let's see, I, I don't know, a few posts, you're going to see that, that, you know, what edutainment podcast do you like the most, right? You can go vote for us. If you want. Indeed. That would be very nice. We think that it would be sweet if you did. If not, it's cool. Well, you're listening anyway. We know you like us. And we won't extort anything from you. Um, but if you're having trouble finding it, here's the URL. HTTPS colon <laughs> slash slash www.facebook.com. You should probably go get a pen. Wait, is that in the URL? No. Okay. Slash questions. That's plural. Slash one Zero one five one zero one five zero seven one two four five eight zero three slash. That's right, and you can go vote for us if you want to vote for us. You can also go vote for TED Talks. You can vote for whoever you want. But uh, we just think it was a nice thing that they did. Yeah, and we'd love to be featured. And- oh yeah. We left that part out. Whoever wins gets featured on the iTunes homepage sure. on June 25th. I think. Yeah. Anyway, go check it out. And if you're uh, if you're unfamiliar with iTunes, check that out too. Um, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, pediatrician uh, follow up with Marinol. Remember in our mm-hmm. medical marijuana podcast, we talked about the synthetic pill Marinol, right? That you can uh, get a prescription for. Sure. Guys, I'm a huge fan, and I even followed and said hi to Josh once in Macy's at Lenox Mall. Ring a bell? No. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. You know this guy? I remember that guy, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy the doctor. I didn't realize Jimmy was a pediatrician. He is. Oh, by the way, I had a fan encounter at uh, the grocery store without my tooth in the other day. No way. Yeah. Did, embarrassing. did you take a picture? No, I like. I don't think he noticed. I, I, but I think I came across as odd because I was acting real funny because I didn't have my tooth in. He probably thinks you have a drug habit. I didn't want to smile real big, so I was kind of like, hey, yeah, "Nice to meet you." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm a huge fan from Jimmy, nice. and I was particularly interested in Chuck's hesitancy in saying he had taken a Marinol pill before, since it's a legitimate prescription drug. Uh, while one doesn't normally associate medical marijuana with the uh, under-18-year-old crowd, the use of Marinol is not uncommon, actually, in our pediatric oncology patients undergoing chemotherapy. Uh, we use it as a second or third line of anti-nausea drug 
However, in children who are unresponsive to those medications, uh, Marinol is safe and often a uh, highly effective alternative. That being said, you'd be surprised at the number of parents who are hesitant or who even blatantly refuse to allow their child to take Marinol because of the stigma associated with it being, quote, from marijuana. Uh, this normally leads into a conversation describing the fact that many of our medicines are created based off of street drugs, like you guys mentioned, uh, the derivation of the very commonly used morphine from heroin. Uh, I'd say 50 to 60% of the time, we can convince the parent to allow us to help their child. Uh, however, again, it's certainly not uncommon for them to refuse. Uh, it's incredibly frustrating, let me tell you, especially when a child is clearly suffering because of their parents' hard-headedness. Huh. Uh, but we ultimately have to respect their opinions and their wishes. Uh, uh, Dr. House doesn't. Who? House? He doesn't uh. respect anybody's opinions <laughs> or wishes. He just hammers through the best treatment he can think of. Just thought you guys may find that aspect of the social stigma associated with Marinol uh, interesting. Thanks for doing the topic. It's one that comes up frequently in my circles. And that is Dr. Jimmy. Thanks, Dr. Jimmy. I totally remember you. Uh, that was that, that was nice. That made my day that one time. Um, Yumi was very impressed. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, let's see. Um, if you have an opinion on the fat tax... I'm sure there are plenty. I'm pretty sure we, we would get them even without asking but let's go ahead and ask make sure everybody feels comfortable telling us what they think um be nice but we want to hear about it you can tweet to us at uh sysk podcast um we're on facebook at facebook.com slash stuff you should know and you can email us at stuff at discovery.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?